0: Hi,
1: This is Ashley, and this is Megan,
0: and this is the Mito podcast created for friends and families of people that are affected by mitochondrial disease. Okay, (laughs) we got that out of the way. (laughs) Um, So today we are going to be talking to Desiree, um, and she has a daughter named Daphne who is affected by mitochondrial disease. Hi, Desiree. Hello. Um, do you want to just kind of dive in and start talking about your story?
2: Yeah. So um we had Daphne, she was born May 23rd, um 2015. Gosh, sounds weird to say it like that cuz I'm always used to writing 52315 on like the doctor's form, uh-huh. so when I have to say the month, um She was a normal baby. She had all the high APGAR scores. Everything was fine. She was a little um, floppy and preferred one side. And we talked to her pediatrician. She was like, ah, turn her head, have her face the other way. And all was good. Um, She started at five months kind of showing not showing signs of being able to sit up. Mm -hmm. And um, we have an older daughter who's now 12 and know that there's timelines to, you know, milestones. Mm -hmm. So we pursued it with the pediatrician. and She was like, oh, you know, you can just wait till she's, you know, eight months. If she's not sitting up by then, you know, maybe go see a neurologist. She said the word neurologist and I flipped my freaking lid. I was like, what do you mean wait like three more months? to find something out. Like if you think we need to go see a neurologist, we need to go see a neurologist like now. Yeah. So luckily we have insurance that I didn't have to get referrals for anything. And I just took it upon myself and I called a neurologist and I called for therapy evaluations. Um, our therapist actually referred us to, um, a GI because we thought Daphne had like silent reflux.
0: What, what kind of therapist?
2: Uh, just a physical just therapist, physical? yeah, just regular physical therapist. We were just going to strengthen because tummy time was really hard for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she also didn't show interest in solid foods or pureed foods, um, and she was of the age like mm-hmm. where she needed to do that. Um, so we went to a physical therapist and we were just doing therapy. And every time she was trying to do tummy time, she was like purple screaming, um, and I was like, Troy. "Yeah, Angie, <laughs> too. Yeah. She hated it." Right? Yeah. So you're like, "Oh gosh, there's something going on in this mm-hmm. kid's belly. Like this is more than just muscular, right?" Or you don't know anything else then. I mean, it's why, why do they hate it so much? So they sent us to a GI. She was fantastic. Um, but you always have a love-hate, I do particularly, have a love-hate relationship to those doctors early on that did your diagnosis. Like, sometimes I don't want to see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we never went back to the GI after that. She referred us to a neurologist that was um, really difficult to swallow the things that she was saying. At first, she told me my daughter had an SMA and was going to be dead by eight months old. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I have a five-month-old right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think actually at that point we started, Daphne just turned six months, and so we had our first visit with the Mito Clinic. And this neurologist had referred us over and ordered every single possible testing that you could get down in Mito. And I was like, you're insane. I'm not poking. I'm not cutting into my kid. Like, I'm going to go least invasive to invasive Mm -hmm. as needed. Let's start with some blood work. You know, but I'm not going to dive into a skin biopsy and a muscle biopsy and an MRI and... Like, you don't even know what genetic testing to even look for anything. Like, let's just start with blood work. And so we did blood work. And, of course, like, her levels were out of whack. I was like, okay, so there's something there. Um, but we did a lot, of, a lot more blood work. And just, I can't, it's kind of, like, foggy to me now. But, honestly, we were in the doctors more times than we were anywhere else in our life. Mm-hmm. And I joke, I, I joke because I say it's funny now because we're four and a half years into our journey. Um, but you go to the doctor, I'm getting you at least once a week, if not in those early diagnosis stages, multiple times a month. I had
0: to buy a separate calendar just to keep track of all of Angie's appointments. Because there's so many.
2: Yeah, and then the mito appointments were like four hours long. They were not as simple. (laughs) And then you're like scraping, trying to find every single expert within your location to see if somebody else's eyes or knowledge of something like, that they can shed some light on your child's case. Um, but all in all, it seemed like the longest process of my life. I'd never heard the word mitochondria or mitochondrial disease. My dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. My aunts and uncles are all physicians. And it just really baffled me that like, something so rare has now come into my world. And um, I wasn't really sure of you know, what to do with it. Nobody knew. Um, you know, they all have, like, basic biology um, classes whenever they're going through med school, and then that was it. Mm-hmm. So even us leaning on, you know, both my husband and I leaning on our parents, um, it was kind of an unknown path to take. So how long did it
1: take you to actually get uh, Daphne's diagnosis?
2: Her diagnosis was really fast. It was um, six months from basically start to finish, and those six months seemed like years Um, because you're going to these doctors all the time. They don't really know what they're looking for, but they know something's wrong, and they're trying to narrow it down. And, you know, there's different levels of genetic testing, and ultimately that was what was needed to do a confirmation. Um, So we finally got to a point, actually, and we really forgot, but Daphne, um, we forgot that we had done a genetic test because you're doing so much and you're doing so many blood draws. Like, it's a little bit of a blur. But Daphne had a neurological regression at the age of 11 months old. She lost the use of her hands, arms, and the ability to roll over. So we did this emergency MRI to see what was happening in her brain. And that was actually the second part of kind of doing a confirmation of diagnosis. Um, We did the MRI, and we expedited the genetic testing results. And within a week, we had confirmed that... um, She had, her disease has two names, it's called leukoencephalopathy with thalamus and brainstem involvement with high lactate from years two, also called combined oxidative phosphorylation deficiency 12. Um, And it was like the biggest stake in our heart because at that point, um, it's still the same statistic, there's only 18 children in the world with the condition. And it was about six or seven years old Oh, so when knew. really no mm-hmm. so they didn't have much I mean they handed us every paper that they knew which was less than five and we went crazy I mean you go crazy whenever they're kind of sending you down a path of oh it could be this or it could be that and so all communication between my husband and I I think for that entire six months period was just my mm-hmm. um it's, we, I say we lead a boring life now because if you go back and look, like all we talked about was my, but you're so inundated and you have this kid and you're trying to figure out, are they going to live? Are they going to die? Like what's going to happen? And then you do get your diagnosis and then the doctors do say, okay, go home and enjoy your child because they're and going to die.
0: Also just figuring out how to pronounce it.
2: Mm, yeah, the, that was a mouthful <laughs> I cried so hard <laughs> over that. I was like, I'm never going to know. I would have to text my husband. And say, how do you say that word again? And I would try to keep web browsers open. Like when you Google a word that says what the definition is and it phonetically like Uh spells it out for you. I was like, I'm never going to say leukoencephalopathy. And then, you know, now I say it and it's, I joke, um, and then people's eyes gloss over. They yes, gloss exactly. over, yeah, <laughs> they yeah, eyes.
1: they do. We but, probably just did that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and my text history actually has the name memorized, so as soon as I start to type it, it automatically populates every word. Oh. Which I'm like, that's really creepy. That like, that's how <laughs> often we were talking about it that I don't even have to write it out anymore. Um, yeah, we use the acronyms LTBL and COXPD12. Uh, Mostly, but honestly, because it's so rare, you can say ears too, um, and that's pretty significant for what it is. But actually, ears too also um, causes a Lee's disease, Mm -hmm. another type of mito. So that was learned a little later down the road when I was looking for other mito patients. And I found this woman, she's like, Oh, my daughter has ears too. And I said, Oh, so she has LGBL. She goes, No, she has Lee's. And I was like, What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And then I found it, and I was like, How insane that one gene can cause two totally different mitochondrial diseases. Mm -hmm. Like, what are the odds? Um, Rare is true definition of it. So she got diagnosed, and we took the day off work. We kept our our other child home from school. We were just mortified. We had no idea what life was going to be. Um, and they said she was going to die. So what do you do? Um, she didn't know any better. She was still kind of a happy, bubbly little, you know, one-year-old. Um, I remember, oh, no, I'm going to cry. Um, That's okay. <laughs> that we, didn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> we both cried so, yeah. already. So.
2: Yeah. So I remember we had her one-year-old birthday party planned. And we got the diagnosis. Literally, she was getting an MRI on her birthday. And I said, my friends were like, do you want to cancel? It's totally fine. And I was like, no, this might be the only party she ever has. Like, I can't cancel this party. But to think of, like, having a party and entertaining people and just, like, putting any effort into it was so exhausting. But we did it. Um, I mean, now, looking back, when you have a kid with a rare disease, you have no idea how you do anything, but you just do it because that's your... It's just what has to be done. Like, it has to be done. So, um, that was like, I think, step one of realizing what my new life was going to look like. Um, but now, fast forward, and Daphne's four and a half, and she is like the most inspiring kind of person to watch grow and develop. And she loves life so much and appreciates. Every little thing. And it really makes you kind of step back as a parent and go, okay, this is really what life is more about than all the materialistic things or trips or like even friendships. I mean, just look at your own kind of family and what you have going on and just really appreciate it. So that's been fun. Um, but yeah, I, I hated those first few years Um, I honestly didn't know if we were going to see four. Um, We hadn't met anybody with an older child. Um, And I was really struggling. I spent a lot of time in the Facebook groups for mitochondrial disease and just trying to figure out what to do. Like, when there's less than five papers written on a disease, what do you do? I mean, you want your child to survive and you want to have the best life for them possible. So you exhaust yourselves. And, and we did. Um, we found research papers and I connected um, with other Mito parents that kind of told me how to go out and find researchers and email them and get information. And then, you know, families that are doing private um, Mito research, their results are not published yet. And generally, most of the, pop- the population doesn't know about, you know, research that's happening until well, after the fact, but you, you know, so they were just parents were giving tidbits of just how to get involved and kind of how to learn. I have a question. Yeah,
0: um, before all of this began, what did you what did you do for a living? Like, what was what did you go to school for, or what were you doing?
2: So I have a business degree um, with a concentration in marketing. I am a contracts manager that, here in California, I work for a company that supplies the hardware and software to nuclear power plants, and my husband is a scientist, and they have a fusion reactor, Um, so not anywhere close to, you know, what our new life was going to be like, but actually very similar, because he's a scientist, so he is a researcher, so he knows how to research, he knows how to write really good papers and do all the citations needed for and I can get into probably another conversation later of like insurance. Um, so the reason be, um, I just want to say yeah
0: the reason why I was asking you that is because before mm-hmm. your your mitos like life begins you have a completely different life. Yeah. It is not made to be a doctor or no. a researcher or anything like that you're now like diving into something where you're having to talk to all of these families that are experiencing something similar and trying to get information from them and then doing your own research so uh, the reason being I just wanted to point out that it's normal families normal families exactly you don't you don't have a background in this you just you learn and, yeah. and you find a way to learn. Even yeah. if it feels like it's impossible, like mm-hmm. going back again to Daphne's diagnosis and being able to like properly say all of the words correctly, you learn. Yeah. And I hope that if anyone is listening right now that, um, that you do understand that you are going to be able to, to learn that stuff, and you are going to be a researcher, an educator, a doctor, yeah. a nurse. You take on all of those roles.
2: Yeah, I call it uh, it's like the parent expert, and you honestly, in something like this that's so rare, you know more than the physicians treating your child um, about their specific condition. And it's okay to to be that role. Like it's okay, and they to, and they welcome it because yeah. they'll tell you they don't have time. Like. Our office, the last time I checked, our Clinic, they only had 80 patients that they saw. 40 were diagnosed, 40 were undiagnosed. And only 80, you think, that's not really a lot. My dad sees, you know, um, 40, 50, 60, 80 patients a week in his practice. And so you're going, okay, they only see that in a year's time. But because of the complexity and all the different symptoms and the variations of the conditions, They do not have time to go pull the research papers, go find out what works best for your kid, talk to other parents to see what other physicians are, you know, suggesting and saying and just avenues to learn. So I always say knowledge is power because I talked, to anybody and everybody that will give me an ear about Mido. I feel like I need to find a, <laughs> something else in my life to discuss lately. <laughs> um, so I'm working on that. But, but it's true because I have reached out to so many people or they have reached out to me through this journey. And the connections and the relationships and what I have found out has just been, you know, priceless. Um, so, yeah, I... I so when
0: when Daphne, I'm going backwards a little bit. When Daphne was diagnosed, was she one and eighteen then? Yeah. Or is it oh, okay? I thought that um, it's
2: still one in eighteen now. Okay. Even so many years later, um, do you think it's because kids are not being diagnosed? Yeah. So this is um. So Daphne's disease is is present at um, infancy. Is is at birth where some mitos can develop before the age of 10, um, or as an adult, right? That's the statistics that kind of everybody yeah. hears. Daphne's is present at birth. Um, the severe ch- the sev- <laughs> severe children, unfortunately, usually pass before six weeks old. Um, one of the San Diego doctors said to me, he actually thinks a lot of the children that die of SIDS have Daphne's condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started kind of Going down various paths of how I can help and what I can do in MITO, and like just from my perspective, from educating myself to educating others, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to pursue the newborn screening Mm -hmm. process. I still have all the paperwork. I still think I'm going to maybe eventually do it, but it's a daunting process because they tell you, unless there's a cure, they really won't let you join. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not fair because we have treatments. We have treatments that slow the progression of the disease. At the end of the day, if somebody can find out that your child has something versus not knowing, because genetic testing is expensive, going to the specialists are expensive, and it's very time-consuming, and if it's easily tested at birth, and I've gone rounds with our physician as to why or why not this can actually work, but I've kind of put it on the back burner for now. Um, but yeah, we could have been, she could have been tested that day in the hospital when they did her little heel prick and, um, we would have known. I can't say I would have wanted to know, um, because it does change, you know, your mindset as a parent, Mm -hmm. um, even though we don't treat her differently. I mean, now that she's getting older, we have to be cautious of things with her, but, um, sometimes you just want that ignorance just to like, you know, enjoy your baby. That's a baby. Yeah.
1: So what, what's day-to-day life like with Daphne or for Daphne? Uh,
2: yeah. yeah, so Daphne is very stable compared to a lot of Mito kids, especially that I see, you know, online. Um, we've had very few hospitalizations. When we have had them, they've been very intense, all life-threatening. Um, but we, um, you know, kudos to her older sister. She, I think, really keeps life... Um, is normal and is balanced and is much of a headache as they both are to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, she keeps Daphne going and probably provides that normalcy for her. So Daphne now attends a Montessori school with typical children. She has an aide. Um, It took a lot to build up to that. Um, She used to be in an in-home daycare prior to that, but she's always been in somebody else's care. I went back to work full-time when she was four months old and I mean, that was life, right? You have a baby and you go to work. You have to, exactly. you have to do those things. Um, then, when you add a medically complex kid and then intellectual delays, your doors are pretty much closed. Mm-hmm. There is no option for you. And it's really sad. Um, so, we fought very hard for that. So, she's in preschool. And it's, you know, there's ups and downs with it. With Mito, they're super susceptible to colds or illness in general. Um, we've been fortunate. Um, But she takes a lot of supplements. She takes 13 different um, vitamins multiple times a day um, that all keep her going. She has to have a nap. She has to eat. She eats a ton of food and girlfriend is only 32 and a half pounds at four and a half years old (laughs) yeah i mean the disease doesn't allow them to you know properly digest or properly absorb the nutrition from their food right so um but she runs around and she has friends and she has you know her speech is developing she just started walking right before her fourth birthday in february of 2019 um But she's wobbly. You know, Christmas break, the day after Christmas, she was going to sit down to go down one step and lean too far forward and caught herself and broke her arm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so now a child that has a disease that's energy limiting and has hypotonia, which is low muscle tone, now she's lugging around this big, heavy cast, and so she's tired from that, and she's off, you know, balance, and she can't, if she falls over or she's sitting down, she cannot necessarily get up with her cast unless she's fully energized and she just woke up from a nap or it's like the beginning of the day. But if mm-hmm. she's kind of depleted end of day, she needs assistance with that. Um, and that's just from putting one arm in a cast, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, But otherwise, you know, she goes to therapy seven times a week in a five-day period. She used to take swim lessons, but um, for the first time in almost two years that she was taking lessons – she could not regulate her body temperature um, for the wintertime lessons, even though they're indoor. Mm-hmm. She was getting cold sitting on the side of the pool, and it was their policy, and I totally get it. But I could not, after even a warm shower at the facility, coming home, sitting in front of the fireplace, having the heat on, wrapped in blankets, I, she still could not get warm enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, OK, I think we have to take a break from swim lessons. And so that was really the one of the first real changes um, that I've seen where Mito is affecting her, where we've kind of powered through a lot of other stuff. I mean, I shouldn't say that, because heat and cold intolerance is huge. Just in general, living in, you know, California, we don't do a lot of stuff outside in the summertime. Um, In the wintertime, it's like, yes, but then it's also cold. Mm -hmm. Um, And our family is all on the East Coast, so we go back there and it's cold. and It's like, oh, man. You know, it's, a, it's another level to, like, it's have to a, put a winter jacket on your a kid. Layers
1: the big boots when they're yeah. already having difficulty walking. Yeah, yeah. and then they're freezing.
2: And you're like, okay. But so for her, every day is she, you know, she wakes up. She has therapy every single morning at 8 a.m. She We s- shovel breakfast in her mouth before we go. She goes to school. She has to have another snack. She's at school somewhere between 7 and 8 hours. Um, and then she has therapy twice in the evenings and otherwise runs around and passes out by eight o'clock usually, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I think this is a great opportunity right now because you were also talking about treatments and the supplements that she takes to kind of introduce Daphne's lamp.
2: Yeah. So when I was trying, when I was struggling with diagnosis and trying to figure out my purpose and what I was going to do, I, like I said, I spent countless hours my husband used to get so angry at me just like scouring the mito facebook pages and i was really seeing a trend of what was missing and there is no cure no treatment and there is no pharmaceutical drug for mito um all that there is is this mito cocktail and what it was and what it means for each person is different um and the complexity and the cost and the dosing and insurance doesn't cover it for the majority
0: a lot of times insurance doesn't cover is because it is a supplement, it's a vitamin, it's not not a medication. It's all readily
2: available mm -hmm. over-the-counter and my favorite terminology from a California lawyer is it's not being used for its FDA intended purpose. so they can reject it if there, is a, if there is a certain component that is covered. So I started Daphne's Lamp that helps um, families afford the mito cocktail, And then I also did mobility devices because we got Daphne AFOs before she could even walk. But she would stand on her feet. And her feet would turn in because of her hypotonia. Um, and I said, well, neither one of those things should be limited to any family based on insurance or income levels. Your child should be able to stand properly they should be able to have a device to help them walk or be mobile in any way and you should be able to get your cocktail that makes you feel the best that you can and it's not just children it's adults but obviously we kind of generically say children cuz we all three have mito children um but i so i started Daphne's lamp a couple years ago um, i think i'm going into my third year and Every single dime raised goes to the purpose, um, which is either mobility devices or the cocktail. Um, I have a board. People fill out an application. They send the application in. We review it. And um, we pay for the supplements or the mobility device directly to the vendor so that the families actually don't touch any of the money so that our donors have reassurance that their money is actually going where it's supposed to go. and. There's not any level of you know, scamming. But um, it's been huge. And it's, cocktail is expensive. It's anywhere between five and $1,500 a month. Um, a lot of these families are trying to decide between buying groceries or paying for their mortgage or paying for their cocktail. Um, I have a couple families that have multiple children with Mito, and they've never had their kid on all of the ingredients because they couldn't afford it.
0: You actually helped me. You you did. You um, not through Daphne's lamp, but through different research that you were doing, and you gave me a wish that uh, we were. I knew we were going to talk about this, that I could give the actual names because I don't remember them on the top of my head. But you gave me a link to a company, and I called them, and it it took a while, but we were able to get at least one of Angie's um, medications covered. Unfortunately,
2: and that was probably before we actually even knew each other, right? Yeah, we'd met okay, uh, and we
0: it was most of everything that we knew each other was through social media, okay. Um, but unfortunately for us, when we finally did get approved, we had just got it in the mail, and that's when we went into the hospital with Angie. Mm -hmm. But, um, but it was so helpful because even just one supplement or just even knowing how to find the companies to help you cover Um, because you don't, I think a major thing for everybody is when you find out you have a medically complex child, you don't realize how much funding you need Mm -hmm. and it grows as your child grows Mm -hmm. and you go to so many different specialists and they all want you to do something else and they all want Mm -hmm. them on a different vitamin Um, so even just those, those like single resources
2: are incredibly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's really sweet to hear. I know I've come in contact with a lot of people, um, over the years and definitely my follow-up's probably not where it should be because I'm one person. I mean, my board is helpful in reviewing the information, but, um, you know, if, if I've ever talked to you or helped you in any capacity and you have other questions, I say you just You know, send me an email. I'm usually pretty good about that. But I'm not necessarily going to (laughs) because I do manage, like, both my husband and I work full-time. We have another child that has full-time activities, and we have Daphne that has full-time activities. And then I run, you know, the nonprofit in the middle of the night whenever I'm trying to go to sleep, get things done for that. Um, But I want 2020 to be our biggest and best year ever with raising money and helping families. Um, I haven't done the numbers for 2019 yet, but I know... The last time I had posted about it, you know, we had already paid out over $15,000 in aid. Um, And I know it's increased because I've sent out multiple, several thousand dollar letters. So it kind of really started off with a bang beyond kind of what I actually expected. I don't do a lot of crazy fundraising. I do all social media. Um, And I... I don't know, it, it's, it's just, I think if I had time and effort to actually put into that, so I always welcome anybody that wants to help or have a birthday fundraiser <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or any, any stream of revenue is, is always appreciated. But
1: And where can parents go to learn about Daphne's Lamp and the resources that you provide?
2: So we have a Facebook page, um, but we have the website, which is DaphnesLamp.com, and all the information should be on there. I did just recently update it because I think it was like two years old. <laughs> I was reading it. I was like, wait, <laughs> everything has changed. <laughs> I know. Um, I was like, I, I went to it, and that's just how quickly kind of time goes when you're dealing with kiddos like this. I, one of my board members helps do the website a little bit and I hadn't said anything to her in a while and I went on there and looked I was like oh my gosh this information is two years old and I mean my nonprofit is only three years young so I was like I know I spent tons of time like putting you know various links or pictures based on you know like the Charlie guard case and mm-hmm. then um, I tried to get a California mito bill here And then there were a lot of other states that were trying to orchestrate bills as well to cover the cocktail. So I was really working with UMDF and those other states and those other contacts to share. Um, And I had a petition at one point, and then the petition kind of went dead. And I I wrote to them. I was like, why did the petition die? And they're like, oh, it's been a really long time. And I was like, oh, has it?
0: I think that that uh, is going to be, I think we should come back and do another podcast, both on... Just the cocktail, yeah uh, and then Absolutely. also on on the bills, because I think that would be a really good podcast to cover, yeah in mm-hmm. the future too,
2: yeah, for sure
0: so um,
1: oh. no. so what would be your advice for parents right now going through all this experience and with Daphne, what would be advice that you would give to parents that could be listening?
2: Oh my gosh, um, I think the doctors are wonderful, but you need. To make sure you understand everything that they want to do and that you agree with the path. Don't ever feel pushed to go any one certain direction. Um, Reach out, talk to other people. It may be completely out of your comfort zone, Um, but there's so many of us that have been in this journey for that much longer that we can just jumpstart you several years ahead of what we've already learned in all the years past. Um so really lean on other individuals and um keep your kids life as normal as you can. Um that I think overall mental well being really helps them do the best that they can to get through this. Mm-hmm. Um so as hard as it is, just remember to take those moments just to have a normal life, yell at them, put them in time timeout, um, go play with them at the park, like whatever happens to work for their situation, but try to be as normal as you can, because otherwise the disease will totally consume every person around you.
1: Well, thank you so much, Desiree, for coming and talking <laughs> to us. You are a wealth of knowledge, and you're doing amazing things with Daphne's lab, um, and we feel... Very fortunate that we were able to meet you not so long ago. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for joining thank our podcast. Thank you me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have you in the future. We have a lot of topics yeah. to cover. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we are, once again, the Mito Podcast. Um, and you can find our information and listen to us on mitopodcast.com.
0: If you have any questions or things you want us to cover, It's Podcast at gmail dot, oh, not, eh, I guess it's dot com. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and um, we will be posting a link on our podcast through social media. Is that what that says? (laughs) Please post the link to our, we have little notes that we have in front of us (laughs) that we're trying to follow and make sure that we, We get to everything. (laughs) Yeah, so if
1: you are listening to us and you want to share our podcast, you can always post it to a link to your social media. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) All right, thank you so much, and have a great day.